Okay, Bob Kizarowski, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me, Brad. Good to see you. Honored yeah. to be here. I like, yeah. uh, you know, this is a podcast with some, had some stars. <laughs> I've been here, but, you know, I'm being here. I feel honored. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah no problem, man. Where, where are you coming from today? I'm in Madrid. I've been living in Spain for the last uh, 13 years, almost 14. And uh, apart from one year in Barcelona or New Barcelona and clubs uh, and one club here in Sabadell, I've been here in Madrid for, for a big chunk of the time now. So, Awesome, yeah. man. Awesome. Well, listen, man, you got uh, a unique story, a unique perspective. You were one of the fastest swimmers in college. You're one of the fastest swimmers in the world. Um, now you're one of the leading coaches in the world. So I, I feel like our track is is fairly similar you know we're, we're around about the same age and we kind of followed uh, a similar path and that you know um we we came to america and and did what we did and, and now we're in coaching and and we're at the highest level so uh, I, I do want to dig into your your history a little bit here so um first of all where did where did swimming start for you well, it started in poland right i'm, I'm, I'm uh, polish and i've been representing poland throughout my whole career and so very proud of it, uh, but it's true that since '93 I haven't lived there. You know, I've been, I've been, I was in, uh, in America for about 15 years, and I, be, I was sent there basically by the uh, Polish Swimming Federation when I was 16. And uh, you know, so I did, I did three years of high school in Mission Viejo, and then you know I was recruited like any other athlete out of high school in America uh, to colleges. And so yeah, started in Poland just. You know, typical, you know, instead of uh, PE classes, they had some uh, swimming, swimming lessons there. Uh, and someone saw me and said, hey, you know, I joined the club team. Uh, I had to change uh, schools because in Poland at that point, there was a this structure where and at a fairly young age, we were sent to, to a, a school with other athletes, different sports. So since 10, I was basically, you know, everything was around soon. You know, it, it kind of uh, shaped my, my whole life and, and keeps, keeps shaping because I'm still in it and loving it. Yeah, loving it. Why did your parents make the decision to move to America from Poland? Well, it was an offer that you couldn't really uh, reject or refuse at that time in 1993 in Poland. It was right after the communism went down and, you know, it was, it was a shaky uh, period in Poland at that time. Uh, luckily, Poland has, has made some uh, strides and, and changed a lot. But in '93, when they offered me to go to America and California to train for you know a year, you can't refuse that. So this this was a program established in '84, I think, uh, between um, uh, some Polish immigrants that lived in LA and the Polish Swimming Federation. And so each year, there were two, three best juniors that were sent uh, to, to Mission Viejo. Uh, among them was uh, Rafał Szukala, um, Arthur Boyda. All, all our success in swimming until about 2002 was really uh, influenced by, by the program in Mission Viejo. So I was part of that. Um, like I said, spent three years there. And uh, at the time, there was just no way you were going to refuse that, right? You were just like offered a, a great break in life to, to, to go to a different place, a different culture, and, and you know, different world. It was, it, was, it was something else. Oh, that's interesting. So this was kind of a swimming move. Did your, did your whole family move with you or did they send you well, alone? No, no. I was, I was sent alone, like I said, at the age of 16. You know, now, now having kids, like my oldest son is 13. And I'm, if I'm thinking about sending him somewhere in three years, that's just crazy. There's just mm. no way. Yeah. It, was pretty, uh, it was pretty early. And uh, I stayed with house, house families uh, throughout the whole, whole high school. And uh, got really lucky with the families because that's always, you know, a little bit of lottery where you end up. But I really was fortunate to, to be, you know, accepted in, in homes of, of American families and treated really well. So, wow. uh, but no, the whole family stayed behind. Could you speak any English when you moved to America? Very little, but, you know, the typical what you pick up from, from songs and, and, uh, and movies. So no, it was once I got there, I realized I don't know anything. So wow. It was, it was like, well, it must have been a pretty scary time. You couldn't speak English. You're away from your family for the first time. You're in Mission Viejo, so I'm sure you're doing some yardage as well. <laughs> you're swimming up and down the pool a lot. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I was I was thrown into a very heavy uh, distance program, as as you know, Mission Viejo has a, has a tradition of distance distance program. But you know, um, this this has been a story of my life. I just was very fortunate to coach this. I, I you know I got there and uh, I swam for uh, Bill Rose, um, who's in my opinion one of the greatest uh, motivators that there are out there because he was able to to make me do those uh, those you know long sets 10, 10 grand workout and you know 100 grand and we did we did all of that and um i loved it you know I, my, my body i was not made for it i, I struggled I, I don't think it really helped me swimming uh, fast 50 or even 100 but uh yeah it took me a couple months to to get to the level of the group because the group was obviously uh, at a different level at that when i got there and once I was able to to keep up with everybody else, it was, it was a lot of fun. We worked really hard, but we had a really good time doing it. Wow. Well, well, I mean, that goes kind of to my next question. Like, why do you think you didn't quit? Why do you think you just didn't pack up and go back home during those three years? I really liked it there. You know, the first few months were really tough. Uh, you know, the language barrier, not knowing anybody, being away from your family. But you adapt. You adapt to a new place. Uh, you know, I, I think... You know, living 16 years in Poland and 15 years in America and now almost 15 here in Spain, uh, I think I have a capacity to adapt to different situations. Mm. And so I, you know, I know a lot of other Polish swimmers that got there uh, struggled and a lot of them came back and, and, you know, didn't make it. But, you know, I was looking for the best. They are, obviously, it's, it's, it was a lot different than, than my life in Poland, you know, for, for better or worse. But, you know, I was able to look for, you know, focus on the good things that that, that place offered. And, um, you know, swimming was very important for me since the very beginning. I was, I was really going hard and, and training hard and, you know, winning. You know, I always wanted to win. It was very competitive. I was very competitive. I still am, I think. And so I saw that uh, being there just really gave me a good chance to, to, to be the best I can be. So there's really no question at any point that I want to come back. That's interesting. You know, uh, one, one piece of advice that I always had for foreign athletes when we were recruiting foreign athletes at Auburn through my experience and, and exactly kind of what you just spoke to is um, there, there's two type of foreign athlete. There's the, the one that succeeds and the one that leaves and goes back home. And, and the, the one that succeeds is, is the person that can um, embrace their environment, you know, just accept where they're at, uh, understand what you're leaving behind. I never, I never loved leaving Australia behind and, and everything that it meant to me, but I embraced my new situation and living in America. I, I mean, I couldn't get Vegemite. I understood that, but now I could get peanut butter, you know? So it's like you, you, you leave certain things behind and you pick up new things. And, and that's kind of the way it was with, with everything. You leave friends behind, you make new friends, you leave traditions behind, you pick up new traditions. So it's just the ones that can embrace their new culture seem to be the ones that thrive and, and are successful right yeah very true i think it's all about state of mind you know what do you focus on what's what's your you know what do you direct your attention to and of course when you go to a new place there there are differences in Mm. in culture and and habits and uh, way of living and um well you you can look at it two ways right it's like this this is different so i don't like it or this is different and let's see Let's see what it is, right? And yeah. let's explore it. And yeah, I think I had capacity from a very young age. You know, I probably wasn't conscious about it like, as I am right now to, um, yeah, learn and, and try to get more experiences throughout all that, you know, what, what I was offered. But, you know, like I said, at that time to go to America, California, sunny, you know, uh, Mission Viejo is, is a pretty wealthy uh, area, Orange County. And, um, so for me, I was just amazed and, and, and you know, probably loved it from, from, from the start. So you're in kind of the Southern California region uh, and then you choose to go swim at Cal. Why did you, why'd you choose Cal? Um, I got into swimming because of 1988 uh, Olympics in Seoul, right? That was, I don't know, I was 12, 13 years old then and, or even less, 11. And I remember taping every single race at that Olympics. I still have those uh, VCR tapes. And uh, one of the stars there was Matt Biondi. Right? Matt Biondi was, was the man. Um, 
And uh, so from the very beginning, they kind of had a head start, Tao had a head start on, on my recruiting because he was an idol uh, and possibility to go and swim in the same pool, the same coach, because uh, as you know, North Thornton was, was there for a long time, still is. Um, so that was a factor. Uh, I really like Bay Area. It seemed a little bit closer to to European cities that I, I was accustomed to. Uh, you know, Southern California is great, and, and but it's yeah, it's different. It's it's a Mission Viejo is very residential area, and not that there's not much to do because you have LA, you have San Diego close by, but yeah, uh, San Francisco, Oakland, you know, all those all those you know Bay Area to this day, I think it's one of the better places to live in. Um, and, uh, you know, the academic aspects. I mean, I was never a great student, but just the opportunity to be there and, and get, a, get a diploma from there was, uh, was very attractive. At the time, the, the team was not, you know, it was, it was not, it was in top 10. No? It wasn't, it wasn't great. But so uh, even though that swimming, like I said, was a very important factor for me always throughout my life, uh, I decided to go there because I loved it there and, and not the only <laughs> Nice. Uh, when did Mike Bottom start at, at Cal? Well, Mike actually came after my freshman year. We had some turmoil on the team my freshman year. We, we got 15th place. We had a great recruiting class. There was like 16 of us and, and, and uh, really one of the greatest recruiting uh, classes of that, that era. Um, and we just sucked. <laughs> we just like, we, we did not compete well. We, uh, you know, we started all right, but the meet was worse. Uh, you know, Pac-10's uh, conference meet was already pretty bad, and then this was just a disaster. So, um, you know, I was a freshman. I, you know, didn't really know uh, what to expect. Obviously, the program was a lot different than I was used to in Mission Viejo. Um, but the seniors or the upperclassmen really took uh, upon themselves to make changes and basically uh, went to athletic department and said, we need, we need to change something. We need to get somebody new here. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, North was going to be there. And I think that we all want North to, to, to continue, but we needed uh, fresh blood. And so athletic department at that point, uh, I think, uh, did us a great favor because we were actually involved in, in selecting our, uh, you know, an assistant. And, and Mike's name came up right away, you know, Mike, Mike was uh, not that well known as it is right now, you know, but he had, he had a history already with Pierre Hall and he was regarded as one of the better sprint coaches. And so we went for Mike and um, so he got there my sophomore year. And wow. I mean, everything changed from that point really. <laughs> with the team, with my career, with, with my outlook on swimming and, you know, we can get into it more if you like, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, well tell me, uh, g- give me some 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 instant things that that changed for you in terms of outlook or even the way that you were training or the way you were swimming what what kind of immediate influence did mike have on you well you know knowing people that know mike know know that he's just a different type of motivator right like i said bill uh bill mission viejo uh bill uh, bill rose I think it was the best coach for me at that time, you know, when I was 16, 19 to motivate me and to get me going and doing things that I thought I wasn't able to do. And Mike, uh, you know, I started working with Mike when I was about 20 and it was again, perfect. I was and again, a very lucky, fortunate uh, place to be that Mike got there and just started working with, uh, with me and the team in a completely different manner, right? He's, his idea is to kind of um, spark something inside of you that makes you want to do well, right? You don't do it for a coach. You don't do it for a team. You do it for, you know, I, I want to be the best I, uh, I can. And I think uh, his genius with that was, you know, each swimmer has uh, is a little bit different. And he was able to recognize it and each of, one of, each one of us, you know, there's a team concept, of course, and there was a lot of... Uh, team meetings and then setting goals and all that stuff but he was very good individually to, to get to you and and spark that and I think that that made a huge difference that I just started really care about my technique about um, my nutrition about my rest uh, it was you know I wasn't uh, for the first time in my life I wasn't told what to do and, and just you know follow uh, instructions I was given a freedom to to decide and uh, once you 
uh, realize that, you know, I want to do well and those choices presented to you really make a difference, then you start making good choices. And, and little by little, you know, we, we all got better. Uh, obviously, as far as his training was, um, the program was very technique oriented. We really work on technique. It was a lot less yardage. It was a lot more fast stuff, a lot more weights. You know, it was just completely different. I, I never really did weights before working with Mike. I really didn't work on my stroke. It's really hard to work on your, on your sprint stroke when you're doing eight, 10 Ks, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, uh, maybe first 200 meters and then you just go into your like survival stroke so you know he gave he gave a lot of space and time to, to work on your stroke and um yeah i mean everything changed everything can change and i just remember you know there was there was moments the first year at cow when i was like really doubting especially when you don't swim fast at the end of the season you're doubting everything and you're not enjoying going to work out and uh, within a month i was just like i can't wait to go back to work out can wait to start working on, on aspects of, of the race. I guess it was a lot more race specific other than just like conditioning athletes. I was always in programs that were conditioning me well and having some talent, you know, I was able to to compete. But you know, what we did were we were working on on race. And I think that's yeah. essential. Like yeah. At some point in the career, you gotta you just gotta learn how to swim the race. So when was your freshman year at Cal? When was the senior year? What were your four years? Uh, 96 to 2000. 2000 was my last, last year. 2000. So did you, do you, did you win the 100 freestyle in 99? In 99, correct. Yeah, then Anthony came, you know. Anthony Irvin was, uh, was a freshman and I was a senior, so that was, yeah. Well, I but think from memory, I think from memory in 99, you won the 100 freestyle and Jason yeah. Lezak and I actually tied for sixth place. Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? I remember... You know, Francisco Sanchez, I don't know if you know mm -hmm. that name, yep. uh, from ASU. He was a big free world champion. Yeah, uh, from Rio 96, yeah, yep. 1500, I think. Mm -hmm. So he was a big favorite. He got sick. I mean, he got sick at a conference. I remember he beat me, you know, completely unshaved. Uh, I, I knew Francisco pretty well, so we, we, we talked. We had, a, uh, we had a pretty good relationship. Then we ended up training uh, a couple summers, too. But... Um, at conference meet, you know, which is like three weeks before NCs, I was I was pretty ready to swim past there already, and he beat me, and he was just unshaved, just doing some workouts in between the sessions. I was just like, wow, that, that guy's gonna be tough to beat at NCs, right? And we get to NCs, and the first thing I, I hear talking to some of his teammates, you know, where's Francisco? Francisco not here. He's got like forty, you know, he's got a forty Celsius fever, and he's he's in bed. So that just you know silly thing but that just like I, I got that's mine then you know if francisco's not here i'm winning so it was really big help uh, you know looking back at it it shouldn't really uh matter whether francisco was there or not the mindset should be i'm going and winning this race but but i remember the first day you know, the is the last day but uh, first day i heard he's he's not gonna be uh you know i think he swam i think he swam but you know, he didn't do very well but that was for me like oh if francisco's not here i'm winning this and like you know it was fun. Yeah, we had some races. What, what, what were your, your years? We overlapped all four years? Or no, I only swam three years. I went back home. I, I turned professional after 99. After you whipped my butt in that 100 freestyle, I decided to turn professional for some reason. And uh, No, but I mean, we obviously had the Olympics in Sydney in 2000. So I had to go back and I knew my only chance of making the Olympic team was to to forfeit my senior year of, of college because I couldn't focus on short course, meet, uh, short course yards, right? So it's like, the only way I can get back is make a name for myself back home in Australia, swim long course for a year, train long course, race long course, and then try and make the Olympic team. So I, I swam 97 when I won the 50 freestyle in 97. And then I um, going to go back to that too. Since yeah. You know, throwing, throwing uh, wins at NCs. I remember you too. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I got one win in. Um, and then 99 was my last year. So that, that was it. And so, so I really kind of detached myself from college swimming for about seven years. I really didn't follow it much. So I, I don't know much about the year 2000 and all the way up to 2006 in terms of college swimming. I knew Auburn went on, went on a run there at some point when they started to get Gangloff and George Bavell and, and they, they went on this incredible run. So they had these teams, but in terms of following it closely, I just, I just don't know. So uh, I just knew that you won and look, I'm going to give, I'm going to throw out something right now. And I want your opinion on this from my opinion. When I look at your resume 
and maybe you could say the same thing about me. But when I look at your resume, I, I think I think you underachieved in your career. I really do. Like I look at it and I think to myself, man, he's he's better than that, you know, especially considering that you win NCAAs in 99 and you, I consider you to be an incredible 100 freestyle and obviously you could swim a fast 50, but how do you look at your career? Do you feel like over the course of your career that you underachieved or you got everything out of yourself? Well, um, looking back at it, right, it's not the first time I'm thinking about it, obviously. Uh, there are a couple of races that I would like to have back. Right? There, there were a couple of instances and very specific ones. One was in Sydney in 2000. And the other one was in 2005, I think, or no, 2007. My last, my last really competitive meet when I was able to 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 uh, uh, compete with the best. And um, but apart from that, those two races, and I think I know most athletes have that one or two races. I just wish I had that back, and it, not just like I wish I had it back, you know, a couple of days later. I wish I had it back like 20 minutes later. I was like. <laughs> touch the wall and you know where you messed up and you know you're much better than that and you know you see that people just beat you with with some uh, some big mistakes you make and then okay every year people ask me what they should get their swimmer for christmas and i always tell them the same thing get a pair of drag socks made by aquavolo it's the perfect stocking stuffer for any swimmer honestly there's no simpler training tool to build power in the water than a pair of drag socks Go to aquavolo.com and use the code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout and save 10%. The offer's good only through November, so order now. Well, talk That's to me right. about Sydney. Talk, so tell us about what, what, where was the mistakes in Sydney? Well, Sydney was uh, – uh, it's, it's that's me that really marked my, my career, I think, till, to, to, till, to this day, and I'll explain why. Um, so, uh, we went in 2000, we went to Phoenix to train with, uh, Gary Hall, Anthony Urban, uh, Francisco Sanchez was there. John Olson was there. Um, we just had a great crew of guys. Um, I'm forgetting names, but, but there was about 12, uh, 10, 12 of us. And we were there for about four months, just incredible setup. I mean, we would, we would have like catering, catering food delivered to us right after, practice uh, on deck basically to you know everything was covered we had a great uh, psychologist it was just unbelievable uh, training environment and and, um, and that was the best physical shape I think I was in my life right and and you know obviously uh, training with Gary Anthony Irvin was obviously there um, I spent four months kicking their ass I mean there was no uh, kick set and long stuff they don't really do long stuff but sprints 50s fins and anything you name it uh, I, I basically uh, you know at some points maybe Gary when he was like rested for three days because he didn't show up for workout uh, he would you know step up and and, and, uh, and, and beat me but basically throughout those four months I, I don't have recollections of, of losing uh, too many things in workout. So uh, we go to Sydney, you know, uh, the, American, uh, the Americans had a trials like always five weeks before and Gary goes 21-7, uh, Anthony goes 21-8, you know, big drops. So, you know, confidence very high, you know, whatever we did, it's working, everybody's doing great, we're going to Sydney. And um, actually, at Sydney, uh, Mike convinced me to swim 100 back. You know, I haven't swam backstroke um, three years prior to this meet. I, I went to European Championships about 10 weeks before. I did a cut, right, you know, just the A cut, just to be able to swim. And he said, you know, 50 is at the end of the meet, let's just have a swim, something that, that you know, breaks you into the meet and gets familiar with, with the pool and everything. And I ended up fifth in that meet. I never, I never, you know, considered myself backstroker since, since my juniors. And I was, I was just like, I'm good. I'm going to be, you know, if Anthony can go uh, 21.8 and Gary 21.7, I'm, I'm going faster. For sure. So you finished fifth in the hundred back in Sydney. Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. Sh- wow. I, did. Damn, yeah. I didn't know that. It was like right outside of, you know, it was like two or three tenths to, to metal and, you know, each race was better. I was improving because I never really had an experience doing that hundred back. Wow. So each race was like something new and I was able to, to uh, work on, uh, on my race and each, and, and it was like full control of everything, you know, once, once you feel good, once you're in shape, it's mm. so much fun to race, right? Mm, it's like yeah. you're able to, to make changes in, uh, from one race to the other. 
Um, and then, then came 103. And at that point, Mike was like, dude, you're good. If you do 103 three times, I, I don't know how you're going to get to the 50. And he said, your chance is the 50. So he told me before 103, you know, just go easy. And if you make it back, um, you know, we'll, you're going to have only two hard fit, hard, good hundreds. So we did that. I got 17th by one 100. I didn't make the final. So in my mind, it was like the plan is working. Everything's fine. And that 103 was like the easiest 103 I did in any competition. Uh, it was like 49.7. Like I said, it was one 100 uh, of the semis. So it came 53, and I'm in the heat with Gary. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously last heat, lane four. I'm like, you know, lane two or three. And we go off, and at, you know, at 35 meters, I, I kind of check where I am. We don't breathe, so you kind of like tilt your head to the side to see where you're at in the race, right? And I couldn't even see him. I, it was, he was so behind. I was like, you know, I, I shut it off. I completely shut it off. I just cruised to the wall. Last 15 meter, meters, I don't know, three, four breaths. It was easy. 22 flat, first, going into semis, you know, lane four, second heat. I got Popov on one side, Van der Hoogeman on the other side. And I just remember that from that morning race when I won till the semifinal, there was so much crap that went to my head that when I stood on the blacks for the semifinals, I was done. I was so wasted physically that I knew that this is going to be like the hardest 53. I went 22-3. I got, you know, I got lane one in the final. I got seventh. But from that point on, I would say for the next five years, I just was a wreck of the meets. I could not compete. I could not get uh, best out of me. So, like I said, uh, having that 53 in the morning, going 22 flat, easy, 50 meters, easy, really easy. Uh, and going in the final 22-2, getting fifth, I mean, that was frustrating. That, you know, that one I would like, really like to have it back, you know. And physically, I was, I was you know, my, my best shape, but mentally, I was not ready for that. I was not ready for that stage. And this was really the first time this happened to me, right? Like, I, when, we, when you were young, when you go into the suites and you're just, like, trying to get into that elite, it's easy. You know, it's easy. You're just like always like, oh, I, I, I want to meet this guy. Uh, next meet, I want to get beat this guy. And so little by little, you, you're climbing the ladder. But then once you're up there and, you know, getting first in the morning, maybe it's not like uh, Olympics, maybe it's not a great achievement. But for me, I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm there. I can, I can really uh, do some damage here. And that was the worst thing that could have happened to me at that particular time, you know. Um, so yeah, it was very frustrating, frustrating experience and it lasted for about yeah, five years till 2005 till I, till I started coaching. Once I started coaching and swimming was like a secondary thing, obviously I trained a lot less, but I was finally able in 2005 for the first time to control my race again, to do things that I wanted to do, to, to enjoy being there. Um, and like I said, this, to this day, I think and in a weird way helps me now uh, working with uh, with swimmers because you know that that stuff happens right so when you live through it um and being able to get out of it you know uh get out of it meaning like being able to overcome that 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 stress it wasn't the fear it was just like too much stress that that uh caused a physical fatigue like it's like the only way i can really explain it so being able to get out of it, and, and at the end of my career, physically, I was nowhere near where I was in 2000, but uh, being able to control races, well, that's in the 50 almost uh, as important. Being able to get out of it, I think I can, I can help a lot of guys that go through it. And uh, you know, throughout my almost 16 years of coaching, uh, I think that experience really helped. So do you, uh, well, I appreciate that, first of all, sharing that very in-depth analysis there. Um, and look, I've, I've experienced similar things. Trust me. Uh, not to the extent. Yeah, let's hear about yours because I, I, you know, I, I've been open about it since, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. This is something that I really uh, not, I just didn't want to share it. This is not a nice story, right? This is mm. something that, that shows weakness, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's so helpful. Once I start sharing these stories with people, I just I was amazed at the reaction and, and, and the connection really you get. So I want to hear your story. What, what was your meet or incident or, or was it a moment or was it just like well it's actually it's funny because uh 2000 ha had an impact on me for sure i don't know if it if it uh if i suffered for five years from it but i certainly suffered for a while from it you know but um you know uh, 
I was on the Australian team. So there was everybody, we're all fighting for, for um, relevance. We're all fighting for, um, you know, that be that person. You know, I'm, I'm teammates with Ian Thorpe and Grant Hackett and Michael Klim and Jeff Hugel and, um, you know, the, the legends, right? But, right? but in the lead up to it, the only way that we can make money, because we're not making money, the only way we can make money is through sponsorships or through uh, people knowing who you are, you know? So in a way, we kind of had to fight for that, um, for that relevance, exposure. you know? Right. Yeah, that exposure, exactly, right? So I got caught in, in, a, in a way and um, a newspaper article came, came to me a few months before the Olympics and they said, you know, I remember this distinctly. She said, how do you think you'll do? And I, and I remember thinking to myself, if I don't, if I don't express, you know, that I'm going to win this, then it's not going to make headlines and no one's going to know who I am. And, and they're going to think that I don't believe in myself. So I, I said, I'm going to win the gold medal. I'm going to beat Popoff. I'm the man to do it, you know? And uh, looking back, it's like, dude, shut the fuck up, man. Like, just shut up, you know? And yeah. so I remember, I remember thinking to myself, oh, that felt good to say that. And then as soon as I saw the newspaper article, like come out, the headline said, I'm the man to beat Popoff. I remember having this horrible feeling inside me, like, oh, now I have to live up to this. Now I have yeah, to. I did pressure that it's, uh, yeah. I think there's more pressure with having Olympics once in four years. But, yeah. yeah. Sure. And, and having the Olympics in Sydney and being and swimming being the premier sport of the Olympics and me saying, I'm going to be the greatest, uh, you know, 50 free, 100 freestyle, the greatest sprinter in history. I'm going to take him down at the home Olympics. All of a sudden, there was no turning back from that. It was win or nothing for me. And then I had all my family and friends. I mean, hundreds of people. And so everywhere I went, people would recognize me now from this article and they'd say, you know, get the goal, get the goal, get the goal. You're always hearing about this. So I remember um, feeling pretty good about it. I still felt confident. I, I was doing the training and I was kind of like you, I, I was killing it in practice. And every indicator in practice was telling me that I'm on track. I'm doing well. I'm a contender. I'm putting myself in that, in that position. And I felt really good. And it wasn't until I got to the meet. And this is, this is a, a message for a lot of young kids is, is that, you know, especially it's a little bit different now because we have social media and we have like ev everything's just here. Like we, I can see what you're doing in Spain right now to this day, you know, um, but back then you couldn't tell what people were doing. So I remember walking in to the ready room especially for the semifinal the, in the, in the prelims, I could avoid people because you just go up for your heat, you know, but in the semifinal, I remember walking into the ready room and all the best swimmers in the world were there. You know, we had you in the ready room. We had Van and Hugenban. We had pop off. We had Gary Hall. We had Anthony Irvin. Everybody's Foster. in this room. Yeah. What's that? Mark Foster. Mark Foster. Yeah. I mean, come on. And Roland Schumann. I mean, come on. Everybody's there. Right. And so you're thinking to yourself, at the time, you think to yourself, I've just got to beat this one person. But when you walk into a room like that, you're like, I've got to beat all these guys. And I could probably beat him and I could probably beat him. And on a good day, yeah, I could. But how am I going to beat all of them? Like, I've got to have not only do I have to have a good day, I've got to have a better day than all these guys. And so you start to doubt yourself and you start to and the pressure starts to mount. And that that reaction that kind of like what you talked about, that physical reaction starts to take over your body. And you start to feel hot and you start to feel and your body's throbbing and your head is starting to pound and, you, and your heart rate is beating out of your chest. And then you're thinking to yourself, shit, what have I got myself into? Like, and then you're, and then you're trying to shake it off. And so you have th these conflicting thoughts between really positive and then really negative and positive, negative, positive, negative, and they're flying through your head. And then you're sitting there and you're trying to focus. And then you're thinking about your parents sitting outside and the gold medal and, and how it's going to change your life. And I mean, there's just, and it's all split second stuff. It's not you're dwelling on it, but it's just like pop, 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 pop. And then I see Buck Kizarowski and he's like, he looks incredible. He's ripped. He's, he's fit. He's strong. Oh boy, you were wrong. Boy, boy you were wrong. On those <laughs> ones. Because in my head, I think we were like very similar what was going on in our head. Just like full of yeah. doubts. Full of just like yeah. these thoughts that really, all it does, it makes you lose control of things that you have to control in the 50, right? Like if you're not focused and you're not yeah. fully like engaged in that moment, you don't do things right, right? You, you, people say, oh, it's just automatic at, at that point. No, 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 it's, you got it. it. It's automatic if you let it happen. If you yeah. have a 
head full of shit that, that just comes to necessary thoughts. Um, and you just lose control. And, you know, usually that. The, the, well, then I walk out, you know, and, and the crowd cheers, not, not a few people. I mean, I'm wearing an Australian cap. So the crowd erupts and I didn't feel the crowd lifting me at that time. I felt the crowd burying me. You know, I felt, I felt a heaviness and I did not want that feeling. I was like, I don't want that feel. I want to be lifted right now. I want to feel indestructible right now. And I felt that the weight of the crowd on me. And I remember swimming as I was swimming, it felt like the heaviest, hardest 50 freestyle I've ever done. And, and I was moving. If you look at the, if you look at the videotape and I talk about this with Popov, I'm beating that guy at 30, at 30 meters. I'm beating him. I'm just doing my usual thing, but it's hard and it's heavy. And I realized once I get to 30, I got nothing left. I'm like, I can't finish this race. And I start to, I start to slip water and I start to feel heavy and I start to see Popov come up and I see Van and Hugenba and I see Bart Kizarowski and I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm done. And, and, and I knew at 35, it was over. Well, what a, what a, you know, it's, it's fascinating that we had such a similar experiences because it was exactly what happened to me both in semifinals and the finals and the final at the 30 meter mark, I was right there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, lane one, I was lane one and lane two was uh, Bismarck, the Italian Spurner. Yeah. And I just like saw him passing it and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, you just kind of lose that, you know, you lose power. It seems like you lose, you lose power now. Being a coach, analyzing all that stuff, I think what happens is you just lose your your connection. You start just moving your arms and legs without any sort of connection throughout your body, and and you know you stop, you stop moving basically. So that that feeling, that sensation of just being on the block already tired and tight and heavy, you know, I, it's it's true that for the first twenty five or thirty meters you are able to go, and then it's snaps and then you start you, you feel like oh no 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 and i just mm-hmm. I, I saw the guy just passed me and it's just yeah. so frustrating really yeah, yeah. it's amazing it's it such a similar uh similar <laughs> um, experiences to that yeah well here's the thing man when i look back on my career like i said i feel like i i didn't i i, I didn't fulfill you know my my full potential maybe you know i don't know i don't know to this day if I'm better than Alex Popoff, I, I doubt it. You know, like I, I'm not built like Alex Popoff. I'm, I'm not, I'm not built like Gary Hall Jr. Anthony Irvin has a freaky feel for the water that I just never had. I could never get my oh, hand in the not. position. It doesn't count. He's so good. He's so no, technically no. aware of his body. And so it doesn't count. That he shouldn't no. be like on I couldn't, I could never get my, my hand in the position that Anthony Irvin could get in. I, I tried and I, I could never sit in the water the way Anthony sat. So for me to say that I should have done more in my career, I mean, I'd like to think so, but I don't know. Maybe I did all I could do, you know, but I know in that moment I wasn't at my best. You know, I was, I was allowing my competitors to take control of my performance and the way that I was feeling. So what could I have done? Could I have swum a 10th better and, and finished fifth or fourth? I I don't think I was going to beat Gary Hall Jr. at, At both Olympics, Sydney and, and 2004. I just don't think, I was as good as him. I, I give the credit to that man. He won the gold medals, but maybe I could have been a 10th better. I don't know. Well, I, yeah. Going back to your question, do I feel like I, I, I didn't achieve as much as I could? Sure. Based on what I, the stories that I told you. Now, if someone told me when I was I don't know, 15 years old or even 20, hey, you're going to be fifth at Olympics. You're going to, you know, win a medal at Rolls and win Europeans. I was, I'll take that anytime, right? I'll take that anytime. And part of this, uh, our, you know, we are not the tallest guys in the call room in the 50s. Yeah, uh, you know, I remember winning uh, uh, Europeans in 2002, I think it was, and I was I was on the on the first podium, and I was shorter than the guys that were second and third, right? Because we were always going against guys that were a little bit taller. Yeah. Um, so maybe the problem uh, was that I never saw myself as as elite. I never saw myself yeah. like, hey, I, 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 you know, and. The fact of the matter is, looking back at it from time perspective, we were, I think, both in position to win against those guys, right? I mean, it was a matter of just like hit, hitting a race in the right time. Yeah. And uh, so looking back at it, you know, I, I think, I think of maybe us, and I'm sorry to put ourselves in, in the same category, yeah. but I feel like, like, you know, the second tier of, of, of the, the sprinters, the first tier was like a pop-off, you know, Van den Hugenbaum, Gerhard, Hall, Anthony. 
and we were in a uh, spot to challenge them, right? We had we had a shot, right? We had a shot uh, for whatever reason. It didn't work out, right? Uh, although I, I I got pop a couple of times, I have to say. Mm-hmm. I got him at Europeans in 2002. I was next to him, and, and, and I got my hand on the wall ahead of him. In Sydney, he got six. That's still, uh, when, when I talked to my kids about 2005 or 2000 Olympics, I, I said I was fit, but I beat Pop up, right? That's, mm-hmm. That just shows you how much respect I had for him, not, not, not to start <laughs> yeah. a riff. Uh, yeah. But uh, so you take those little wins, like I said, you know, where, where I was coming from and how I saw myself, which again, I think it was a mistake. I feel great about my career, right? I would like to take a couple uh, races back. And, uh, but you know, all of these experiences uh, leads us to where we are right now, right? I'm I'm here because of what happened in life. And I'm pretty content with my life right now. And I don't know what it would have been if, uh, you know, if I won Olympics or like I said, 2005 at Worlds, I know if I had just a little bit better start, uh, I, I would have won that too. And, uh, you know, who knows how our lives uh, progress. I, you know, I'm, I'm a happy father, married, uh, and I like where I am. I like the, the place uh, that all those experience, experiences got me. So no regrets, really no regrets. No, no and look, I feel the same way. I mean, I think we're very similar right there. I mean, we could yeah. be twins, you know. I, I feel the same way about all of that, you know. I, I did have oh, the good it, fortune. It, 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 I can mention something i really you know yeah yesterday i was talking to my wife hey i'm going to be on a podcast with brad and so i started talking a little bit about you and my recollection was just that that connection of like knowing that hey we're here we're experienced we're going to challenge that but there's always and i think that goes with that swimming community in general wants to get to that level of, of respect right and it was always like even talking to the guys that beat you, um, you have such a high respect for for your competitors at that level because you know what it took, right? You know what it took to be there. You know what you had to go through. And uh, yeah, last night we were talking about, I was talking about uh, you with my wife and I said, you know, just thinking about times we talk and, you know, we, we saw each other later as coaches on deck just very positive uh, memories, right? Just respect and, and try to get better, try to, try to find better ways to, to swim or to train and, and being uh, really uh, fans of the sport. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I really appreciate um, it, Red. Yeah, well, it. thanks for saying that. I, I feel the same way. And I, and I have noticed that about you. You know, you, you're one of these people that wants to give back to the sport because you got so much from it as well. And I feel the same way. You know, I'm just, I'm just connected to swimming. You know, in a way, I'm a swim nerd, although I'm not, uh, I don't obsess over the numbers. I, I obsess over swimming. I love swimming. You know, I, just, I love talking to people. I love watching. I love, I love um, coaching, you know, and, um, I love yeah, right. Look, what you said, you know, being able to be in position to give back what I or, or help people that are in the same position. They're about 20 years, years younger and they're entering that stage of like, oh, maybe maybe I can go to Olympics. Maybe I can comp- be competitive. What a treat. I mean, I, I just love working. You know, I have a good uh, situation. I'm, I'm working with just guys. Uh, they're all between 19 and 24 years old and just you know to be able to pass that knowledge that experience and you know a lot of it is knowledge you know you gotta you gotta you gotta get get your x's and o's so obviously but but experience i think it's um it's very uh important to to help them to get to that point and and i think our our stories of those failures of, of those races that didn't go our way and, and those struggles like I said, I think that helps you in some way to to connect with these people, right? Yeah. And I was very fortunate to have an experience four years later where I was coaching a kid that ended up winning the gold medal at the Olympics in the event that I was so desperate to try and perform in myself. And oh, here I am. That. Yeah. I mean, here I am four years later having this hand-in-hand experience with this young kid and... Um, there's one distinct thing that I, that I recognize about myself looking back. And then I recognize about him that helped him win. Uh, and it was this diagram that I, that I draw, you know, you can, there's two, there's two lines, right? And either the lines go like this or the lines go like this, like this or like this. Okay. And this is what, this is the difference between me and Caesar. When I was in the call room, I noticed everything. I, I couldn't, I didn't have the ability 
to do what Caesar did. Caesar narrowed in and compartmentalized and he could push out everything else around him. He didn't care about who was in the ready room or who was outside or what people were saying about it. He narrowed in on his performance. It was just all, it was all about swimming from this end to this end as fast as he possibly could. And that was the only thing that was going through his mind at the time that he needed to perform under the, the most pressure. And for me, I was taking in everything. I was taking in my competitors. I was taking in what I had to do. I was taking in the crowd. I was taking in the, the future. You know, So I was pulling things in, like I said, very fast. And Caesar was compartmentalizing. Caesar just said, I'm going to swim from here to here as fast as I possibly can. And nothing else mattered. And, and whether that was maybe um, five or 10 minutes of his life, he had the ability to shut everything else off and nothing else mattered to him. And, uh, and that's, that's for me, that's how he won. He was, uh, he was incredible under pressure in terms of compartmentalizing what he had to do. Well, I, I observed that I was, you know, like you said at the beginning, I was very fortunate to train with, with, you know, best in the sport. And I observed that with uh, both Anthony and Gary. You know, these, these these two cats were probably not the hardest trainers. I wouldn't say they didn't train hard. We all train hard. I mean, if you're in the sport of, uh, in swimming in general, you don't have to be in a high, high level. You you know how to train hard. It's a hard sport, you know, just so that's, that's what I was saying. Uh, but those two guys, you know, uh, throughout their careers, and I, and I have great respect for, 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 for both of them, but, you know, obviously I, I knew um, Anthony better because he was, uh, he was on, uh, on the Cal team and Gary would come in the summers and Gary's a little bit uh, close, so it's, it's kind of hard to get through him. At the end, uh, at the end of our relationship, I was able to get a uh, good friendship with him, but, but at the beginning it was a little bit more difficult. But Anthony, I knew very well. And Anthony was uh, not able to concentrate uh, during practice for more than 25. And it, it, was, it was very difficult at the beginning. He was a freshman and I was a senior. And uh, it, we had some, you know, we had buts quite a bit. I was a team captain. I was just, I felt like responsible for, for everybody that has to train hard and get to their potential and all that stuff. So we, we didn't, uh, you know, we are good friends now. And I, like I said, I have great respect for Anthony, what he's done in swimming and outside. Um, but that amazing capacity to, and, and like I said, those guys were, it seemed like they're not able to concentrate during workout for more than 25 meters. It's just like mm. uh, constantly Mike was just, you know, doing all the tricks in the world to, to get them to be there and then to train and to get to the session to all that stuff. And yeah, you go all of a sudden, you go uh, to big meets and I've been to a few of them with both of them and you see them in the, in the call room and you're just like, what happened? Mm. How, how all of a sudden you were able to just be so pro and so focused and so like, you know, just right here, right now, all that matters, no thoughts. And yeah, um, you know, a part of my, like I said, part of my getting out of this, like uh, failing, so to speak, or, or not competing um, at my best for all those years, what got me out of this was that being able to just be there and just focus on one thing. And it took a long time. It took a lot of meditation. It took a lot of Zen techniques. You know, my mm -hmm. first year at Cal, I remember Nort uh, gave us a Zen book and, you know, uh, you're a freshman in college, you get a book from your coach. It's like, all right, <laughs> uh, all right, I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm going to sweat, right? I got enough books in my classes. Um, <laughs> And I didn't get to that book maybe two, three years later. And uh, yeah, and started practicing. And this was a key, just basically being able to, uh, at, at a particular moment, right? At, at one specific time and place to just like uh, channel everything out and just focus on this one thing. And that's really, you know, some people just naturally have it and, and, and it's very special and you can see that. Uh, and others have to work on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. It's, uh, it's nice to get your perspective because, sure. um, I wasn't exactly sure what we we're going to talk about today. I just jumped on and we started talking. This has been a fantastic conversation. I've loved it actually, but, uh, tell me about your family right now. Tell, tell me about your kids. So at three, uh, my oldest is 13. He's swimming. Actually got to coach him for, uh, last year, last, last season. I coached him. We, we, you know, we didn't finish the season because of the COVID thing in March and stuff, but from, from September till, Till March, I, I got to coach uh, the little team we have here and where we live, and it was so much fun. I mean, it, um, this first time I, I, I dealt with kids, you know, my whole career, I was just doing uh, um, swimmers at, at a pretty high level. Um, 
and it was a lot of fun. So Martinez 13, he's getting into it. I think, you know, there's so many different factors that, that play a role, whether he's going to get there or where he's going to get in swimming. But I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, then Lucas is 12. Lucas got all the brains from the whole family. You know, he's, he, he retired uh, uh, from swimming at the age of nine. I, I had a deal with him. <laughs> he, he, like from the age of eight or seven, he was telling me, do I have to do this? And I said, you know, once you learn all four, four strokes and you still don't like it, uh, you, you can stop. And so the day he swam 25 fly, he said, okay, I'm done. And, uh, you know. <laughs> And he gets into his, his things. And like I said, he's, he's really good with, uh, with studies, books, and he's got the brains. And uh, a little girl came to us four years ago. And, uh, you know, that's uh, you got you got girls, right? I got three girls and a boy, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, having two boys and, and having that experience, like I said, there's a pretty big gap between them uh, because boys are 12 and, you know, there's 13 months apart and the girl is four. And I mean, uh, opened my uh, I, my eyes and my heart to love. Like I can't believe how much a little person can love their love their daddy. You know, the boys always competed for their mom. There was always a fight: who's not with daddy because they wanted to be with mommy, of course. <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, Julia is just the opposite. She's, she's in love with me, and I, it's a great experience. It's, you know, super good. Uh, you know, that whole part and finding the balance between uh, our jobs and, and having a family that also took a while. Mm. I have to say that um, now I'm able to say that I'm able to disconnect what happens at work and, and not, you know, not bring that to the house for good or, or for, for bad and, and really focus on my family. Like I said, this is this is a, a challenge, right? To, to find that balance because we as coaches, it's not like you leave practice and it's like, okay, I'll see you uh, to yeah. tomorrow. I'll just yeah. keep thinking and keep, you know, looking for, for, for better ways to train or to get them going. And so I feel like now, finally, after 15 years of coaching, I found that balance and really enjoying it, really. That's good, man. Well, my advice to you is keep that. You know, that's going to be important yeah. for your family moving forward. But um, yeah. very happy for you, man. I'm glad to see you happy. Glad to see you're, you're healthy during this period. And um, just uh, nice to reconnect again, man. Yeah, thanks, Brad, for having this talk. Like I said, applaud, applaud for for your uh, for your podcast. I, you know, it's I think uh, the way you conduct those interviews. Like I think I, I wrote you the other day uh, that interview with with Jack and Aaron. I mean, I saw it three times already. It's just uh, it's just unbelievable the stories they have, the, the their view on 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 swimming and life in general, and I really. Uh, appreciate the way you let people open. You know, I think you're very good at this and, and you know, you obviously you have access to, to the best in the sport and the famous, so keep doing it. I love it. I, you know, I, I open in the mornings, I go through my podcast, what I'm going to see today. And I, you're the, always the first podcast I, I, I catch if, if you're on. So I appreciate it, man. Well, listen, you're one of the chapters now, the glorious chapters. So thank you for sharing today. Thank you very much, Brad. All right. Take care, bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out.